Hi, this is Steve Barrett, Editorial Director of PR Week. Delighted to be here to introduce the Changemakers podcast series PR Week has been working on in partnership with Google. Changemakers is all about encouraging diversity in PR agencies. This is the fourth in a series of five podcasts. You can check out all the others at prweek.com. Some great discussions. And today's going to be even better because we've got Disha Barnett with us, who's president of Global Corporate Communications and Content Strategy at UPS to talk through the Changemakers initiative. Disha, how are you doing? I am well today, Steve. How are you? I am always good, especially when I'm talking to you. So uh, let's get into it. You were part of the Changemakers Advisory Board that looked at the PR agencies, especially in the DE&I context. First of all, tell us why you thought it was important to be part of this and to be part of the Changemakers Advisory Board, because it was a very senior group of in-house communicators and a really um, top-notch group. But uh, why was it important for you to be part of it? Look, I mean, I'm a self-proclaimed change maker myself. I think throughout my career, you know, as much as I have clearly focused on communications and dabbled a little bit in marketing, I've always carried the banner when it comes to advocating for diversity, equity, and inclusion and trying to use my voice to add to our industry and our profession in that manner. So um, for me, I I was honored to be asked to be a part of the advisory council. And um, I I take the work seriously, I think probably more seriously than ever, in fact, because I started my career in the 90s in agency, a big agency. And it's a bit disappointing, you know, to see that we're still grappling with many of the same challenges that were discussed when I started my career, but also that I have many mentors and, and friends who I consider trailblazers who have been in the profession much longer than me, who were just having the same conversation, right, for many, many years with with not a lot of movement. And so um, if there's anything I can do to be someone who is helping accelerate progress, that's the mission for me every day. Yeah, you do have a unique perspective, uh, having worked on the agency side, having worked at Walmart, at Atlanta Chamber, and and now at UPS, and working with lots of different agencies. So you've seen it from uh, both sides, lots of perspectives. Why did you think the, I think the question that the agencies are all asking is, you know, why did the board decide not to award any agencies with a change maker status? That's quite a bold statement to make, but it was, it was a unanimous decision and everybody was on board with it across the board. And what would your message be to the agencies about why that, that decision was taken? For me, we have to really think about the definition of change making, right? What, what, what actually meets that standard. And I think, I mean, if we just take it literally, are you making significant change? Are we, are you doing something that has become, you know, sort of a part of the DNA in the organization? Uh, Are there data points that prove out this idea that sustainable change has been made um, in how we think about and embrace diversity equity and inclusion as, as business priorities and PR firms. I mean, I think when I think about all of those kind of things and then hold that up against the submissions that we were able to review, it just was very clear to me 
that um, the high standard of change making had not been met, you know, and and so it, it was. It, I don't know that it's that um, controversial. I don't think it's that complex. I think it just is fact. I would say that a lot of the submissions spoke to um, activity and and tactics that to me are sort of dated, right? So to have employee resource groups, to have speaker series and people coming in to be recruiting from, you know, historically black colleges and universities, like all of these are strategies, tactics, activities that are, yes, important, but they are um, also kind of dated. And, um, and I would suggest it's been proven that they are not the kind of strategies, tactics, activities that create sustainable change. If they were, we would not be having this conversation because a lot of, you know, organizations have been doing these kind of things for many, many years. Um, And so it also was sort of disappointing to see a lot of the firms hold those kind of things up as, as like new and innovative when the fact of the matter is that they just are not. And so when we think about who do we want to shine a light on and refer to as the change maker, the example that others should follow, again, I mean, it just became very clear pretty quickly that we did not have an example that um, that those of us who were judging the entries felt was the example. There just there just was not one. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the panel members were insistent that diversity had to not be a good to do it's a business imperative and a competitive advantage i think they were looking for um diversity numbers even if the numbers are not great you've got to publish them and you've got to be open about them and and publish more data right so promotion numbers as well retentions as just as big a part of the problem as recruitment and pay equity and transparency came up quite a lot Disha and and being more creative you mentioned employee resource groups but they can't be the only forum for serious conversations about DE and I and then the the other part of this was helping DE and I officers do what they were brought on to do and not just sort of hiring a DE and I officer and thinking right we've we've cracked the code we've done it now with it were there any parts of that that particularly resonated with you and that you wanted to sort of expand on I mean look I'm glad you recapped that list. Um, I'm thinking back to the conversation um, we had as we were discussing the submissions, and I think you're 100% right, right? The transparency is imperative, right? We have to have honest, honest data, honest sharing of data, um, transparent sharing of data around diversity, equity, and inclusion um, before any one of us can actually honestly assess whether or not these things are are truly impactful. And I I think listening to you go through that list also for me, Steve, reminded me that um, we we really were talking about what is performative, you know, in terms of what are the, the strategies and tactics and the things that people are doing in their firms are simply, you know, performance. We're doing this because we want to look a certain way. Um, We want to be perceived as a certain kind of organization. So there's performance. And then there's actually doing the hard work um, and and proving out that it is truly making a difference when you think about talent coming in and and having um, 
of successful careers and, and thriving experiences at every level. And I think in particular, it's probably worth noting that when we were having the discussion, we really, um, I think, aligned on the idea that, you know, we all know our, our industry skews female women, a lot of women in communications. And so we ended up really, I think, taking a really focused look at people of color because we know that, you know, people of color are not well represented in our in our industry. I, I feel like it, it, if I've seen some data, something like, I don't know, 80, 90 percent white or if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Tarad sometimes quotes some of this labor data. But yeah, I mean, so, so the people of color piece, the question around performance versus like real meaningful and sustainable change. These were the topics that we ended up really grappling with. One of the most striking pieces of data that came out of it for me was the fact that uh, between 2021 and 2022, 44% of agencies saw their hiring of diverse talent dip, which was quite shocking to me because did you get a feeling that after 2020, when we obviously had the murder of George Floyd, we had the Black Lives Matter movement, the racial reckoning, that people did look at it throughout society, but, but especially in business, they made changes, they did they did take it seriously. They did put some initiatives in place. Do you get the impression that maybe that's faded a bit in 2022? I was at the Diversity Alliance dinner and, I, and that was a definite vibe in the room. And is that something you're seeing? And, and how can we reverse that? And how can we, we can't let that happen, can we? Yeah, I don't know that I would describe it as fading. I'm just trying to think about, um, look, I mean, I, the thing that I... Um, tried to remind people as we were, you know, so many of us um, feeling inspired to, uh, again, roll up our sleeves and accelerate change um, post the killing of uh, George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and so many others. I was busy trying to, A, take advantage of, you know, the momentum because certainly it was an important moment that I think all of us were trying to extend. We did not want it to be a moment, right? We wanted it to be a movement and we wanted to see businesses and leaders really um, understand the importance, but em embrace their responsibility, you know, not just for a few weeks, a few months or a year, but embrace the, the idea that they are responsible for affecting change in the long term. But but I, I, I'm not really um, shocked that there has been um, sort of a decline in emphasis on these things, because I think the, the piece that um, people had a hard time grappling with, you know, a couple of years ago now was this notion that we had to change systems, right? So to suggest that we can put a Band-Aid on um, some of these major, major issues and fix them with a couple of tactics is just flawed. It's a flawed premise. We are here because of systems and the need to change the systems is where we will find the solutions, the lasting solutions. And if we're not willing to do that, you know, I think we'll still be having this conversation, Steve, um, next year and the year after. 
Well, I was going to say, I was going to move to that. I mean, looking forward, one, what, were there any bright spots? Because, you know, there is some good work going on at agencies. This isn't meant to be a, a sort of a negative process that is calling out agencies for everything they do. It's a tough challenge. We know that it's not easy and there are good things going on. So were there any things that you saw and you thought, yeah, this is good. We want more of this. And what needs to happen now to make sure that this gets back on track in terms of a, a yeah. real process that is going beyond the talking in, into the real doing? So the thing that I was most inspired by as I was reading the entries really were the smaller firms, some of the medium-sized firms. Most of the ones that really inspired me just so happened to be diverse-owned, diverse-led, right, firms that had diversity, equity, and inclusion sort of baked into who they are, right? It, it, it sort of is a, it's just a part of the DNA. And I actually think that's where we all should be aspiring. I say that, you know, in the halls here at UPS, you know, we know, we will know we are doing this work well, and it is truly a business priority when um, these concepts are just simply baked into how we move and how we operate every single day. So, you know, I think when I was looking at the entries from the, the smaller and, and mid-sized firms, some of them, I saw them talking about strategies that they brought forward that were really about creating safe spaces where everybody can belong, everybody has a voice. Again, the teams were, I think, diverse just because it's in their DNA. Um, and, it, and it wasn't necessarily something that they had to work really hard to get to, right? It was just they, they were founded by someone who was black and brown. It was intentional that they built teams that were representative. And so they didn't have to have all of a, a call out for all the various programs that they, you know, that they put forward to get to great representation. It just was sort of a part of, of how they how they showed up, right, very naturally. And so I think the large firms can learn a lot from these smaller firms. I think a lot of those smaller firms, if I'm remembering, were also um, maybe some of them were millennial owned. So we know that the younger generations are more diverse and have different ways of thinking about diversity. I think that there's a lot that the larger, um, well-established, um, you know, legacy organizations can learn from the up-and-comers about just how to, you know, kind of, again, tear down a system but and recreate systems that, again, very naturally lead to teams that have people from all sorts of backgrounds, again, that are, um, that have a voice that it's important to get into great strategies for clients and um, and driving really good results. So those were the ones that I was most inspired by too. Yeah, and there was another stat that 46% of agencies reported that more than 20% of their work goes to diverse-owned vendors, which is production partners and freelancers. And that's another part of the equation that sometimes gets overlooked. And that's sort of sending the elevator down into the other parts of the industry. And we often talk about this when it comes to the Super Bowl. You know, there's a lack of diverse directors lack of uh, female directors as well but it's even worse when you get into the production partners etc so that's that was a, another encouraging part of it there still needs to be more more but that was that that was a good stat that came out just to finish up disha i mean you're in a, in a, a, a a big company that's been through its own diversity journey and you know ups has put big efforts into it do you think client side i mean 
client side people are on their own journey, aren't they? They haven't cracked the code on diversity either. And, you know, agencies might look at that and think, well, yeah, we're, we're not perfect, but nor are our clients. What would you say to that? And what lessons have you learned from your own diversity journey at UPS, you know, that maybe could play into this, uh, this process? You know, I was having a conversation um, with a friend last night. Our corporate affairs department here at UPS is 200 plus UPSers deep. We are led by um, our, our, our just functionally. We've got a communications function that is co-led by me, um, black woman, very proud, historically black college alumna. My partner in crime is Malcolm Berkeley. Black guy, Morehouse College, very, you know, very proud HBCU alum. The UPS Foundation is led by a woman named Nikki Clifton, who is a Howard University alum, black woman, very proud, um, leading our foundation. We've got Penny Noss, who runs our sustainability department. Um, and we've got Mike Kiley, who runs our public affairs department out of D.C. We're led by a, a woman, white woman. Our CEO, obviously, is one of the very few um, women leading Fortune 100 companies. I'm really proud of how we show up when it comes to diversity at the top of our corporate affairs division. And when we look at our team in communications specifically, Malcolm and I have been on a journey to make sure that our team has really strong representation. It's just a priority for us every day, but we also want the best talent, right? So we're not um, we're not cutting corners. But um, anyway, I, we could go offline, Steve, and I could brag to you all about um, the changes that we have made. No, I'm sure you could. In <laughs> just a year and a half, with me being in the in the company, and the results are even stronger as well. So again, I think we're proving out this this idea that when you when you have diverse teams the results also are better at the end of the day. But it's a journey, 100%. It is a journey. We are not perfect. But we are also, you know, really encouraging, challenging, maybe pushing our agency partners to come along that journey with us. You know, we um, are based here in Atlanta, a very diverse city in the Southeast. If it's important in our in-house team, it's also important for our agencies to reflect the rich diversity that exists, you know, for us around the world, frankly. I mean, our company operates in more than 200 markets globally. And so we need to have, you know, as, as rich of perspective um, in our agency teams and our in-house teams to really get to excellence, in my opinion. And I would say that we've had some really productive conversations with our agency partners about this here recently. I think that the agencies take the, that feedback um, very seriously and are working really hard to try to make sure that they are putting um, teams that have great representation across the gamut of the spectrum of diversity working on our business. But I, I, I'm not sure that every client is pushing the agencies, you know, and I think that that is really, really important to, to give them a push, to hold them accountable and to help them understand that it is important, you know, um, it's just as important as having strong strategies and strong results, having strong representation in the teams, just as important. And so it's a journey for sure. The, the one thing I did want to talk about, though, I guess related to this, Steve, is that I wanted to remind people, I, as you know, started my career at Ketchum in the late 90s, and I was a part of, I think, a really amazing moment at Ketchum. 
They were, the, at the time, the first big firm to launch an in-house team focused on the African-American market. It was called the African-American Markets Group. Um, so when I came in um, as an intern, there happened to be just this amazing group of, of Black leaders, right, that had just been put into all of these roles who were able to, um, for young Disha, intern in the consumer brand practice, these um, women were able to wrap their arms around me and really help me learn, grow. But also I had a really visual idea every single day of what was possible in the firm. Um, if you can see it, you can believe it. If you can see it, you can achieve it, you know, all of these kind of things. And so um, it, it, the idea of moving up in an agency, working on big accounts like the Procter & Gamble and Delta and Coke and all of these things that were happening um, at Ketchum at the time really seemed possible for me. And I had people that were mentoring me, giving me advice, sponsoring me, you know, to help me understand how that could be a milestone that I could achieve for myself. And then also the agency had a real commitment to it. Again, it stood up this practice. So you also had allies in the firm that cared about it working. And so all of these kind of things I think are really important. And I think what I was saying to you before we started recording is that there are bright spots. I think the challenge is how do we illuminate the bright spots, which I think you guys are working to do through this work here um, today and hopefully through this podcast. So how do you illuminate the, the bright spots, but then how do you make sure that those things can scale and that they can sustain over time, even when there's leadership change, each leader has to carry that mantle for diversity, equity, and inclusion as a core part of how we do business. But I think what ends up happening all too often is you have one really passionate leader, you know, over time, leadership changes and the passion for keeping the same momentum ends up waning. And so I would just challenge leaders who might be listening to this to pass the mantle and to pick up the mantle when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, because it, it, we're not going to make a dent if we're not consistent, persistent, and trying to make a difference over time. Yeah, that's really good context, Disha, actually, because it uh, reminds us that, one, this this topic has been around for decades. And that's why some people are frustrated at the lack of progress. And also you're talking about being given stretch assignments, aren't you? And having a path forward and upwards that you could buy into, which is something we discussed with Rosanna Fisk on one of the other podcasts. So yeah, really good context there and great insights as always. So thank you, Disha, for joining us today. Thanks for being part of the advisory board. And we look forward to uh, staying in contact on this and making sure things change. So thanks for being part of the Changemakers podcast. No problem, Steve. I'll see you in Chicago. We hope you enjoy this series of inspiring conversations among industry leaders, and we look forward to continuing the conversation at PR Decoded, our annual conference in Chicago, October the 11th and 12th, where we'll talk about these initiatives in depth and talk about how we make this a sustainable movement moving forward.